We're going to go ahead and continue our Bible study in the book of Galatians. So let's open our Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 13. Galatians chapter 4. We're going to start tonight at verse 13 and move forward in chapter 4 here tonight. And uh, let's pray and ask our Lord to bless the reading of his word here tonight. And of course, to also pray for the offerings. Father, in the name of Jesus, again, Lord, I want to just say thank you to the church body to the members of this congregation that have been so faithful in providing uh, for the church financially, Lord God. Thank you that all our bills are paid and all our, of our financial responsibilities have been met. And it's because of the faithfulness of your people, Lord. Help us all to continue, Lord God, to uh, bless the church and provide for the church and honor the church with our tithes and offerings. Bless the gift and the giver here today. And we also pray for the Bible lesson here this morning, this evening, that you would bless it, Lord God, anoint it, give it life, and help me as your servant to share it and to express it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 13, the Bible says this. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but not, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that they may have zeal so that you may have zeal for them it is fine to be zealous provided the purpose is good and to be so always not just when i am with you my dear children for whom i am again in the pains of childbirth until christ is formed in you how i wish i could be with you now and change my tone because i am perplexed about you so Last week, we were looking into this section of Scripture, and there's a lot of information in there, a lot of things that we can talk about. But the things that we uh, were looking at was that Paul was reminding the Galatians of their love and their loyalty to him when he first introduced the gospel to them. Now, remember, he was the first one. He and Barnabas were the first ones to go into Galatia and preach the gospel to them. And they, were, and they received it so gladly when they first received the message of salvation in and through Jesus Christ. They understood Christ's suffering. They understood uh, the significance of the cross and the shed blood of Christ and, um, and, and what it represented. They understood Christ's death and resurrection. They understood that Christ... Uh, that through Christ they re could receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. And it, it was all because of the completed work of Christ. There was nothing more that they had to do. The Apostle Paul is reminding them of how they cared for him and helped him through his illness. How they embraced the message of salvation by grace and not by works. But then, listen to what Paul said in verse 15. Where then is your blessing of me now? In other words, why are you now pushing me away? Why has your attitude changed? Why are you now being cold towards me? What happened to that sense of love and acceptance and appreciation and loyalty that was there before? Let me read Galatians 4.15 again. It says, where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them 
to me. Here the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, remember how you were so willing to help me, how you appreciated being set free and having the eyes of your understanding open so that now you are saved and serving the true and living God in and through Christ. Remember how if it were possible, you would have given your very eyes for me and to help me with what I was going through. What happened to you? Why are your hearts turned away from me now? Why are you so cold? Who has turned you away from the gospel? And then look what the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 4.16. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? I'm writing to you now and confronting you about your wavering loyalty to the gospel, to the truth that you first heard. I'm writing you and letting you know that I am astonished, I'm shocked, I'm surprised at your lack of loyalty to the faith. Um, why now does it look like or why do you make me feel like I'm your enemy? I'm reminded of that scripture found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Listen, if you love me, then you're going to speak truth to me, even though that truth may hurt. If I love you, I'm going to speak truth to you, even though that truth may hurt. If I see you doing something wrong, if I see you that you're out of line in some way, as a true friend, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to confront you in love and say, hey, what's happening? Why are you going through this? And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Galatians. I'm coming to you as a friend. Why are you pushing me away? Why are you treating me like an enemy? I'm just trying to help you. Galatians 4.17 says this. Those people that are messing with you, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. We have to realize again, as I said last week, that there are those that are intentionally striving to tear you and I away from remaining loyal, not only to Christ, but to the church. They will talk They'll talk bad to you about the church. They'll talk bad to you about the people in the church and the church leaders and the church ministries. Make you feel even dumb or ashamed or embarrassed or try to humiliate you for even going to church. The enemy is very upfront and bold. There is no shame, as I said last week. He is very upfront about what he represents. I mentioned last week that the enemy represents one world order, globalism. He is the antichrist. He is a liar. He represents darkness and evil, confusion, division. He is anti-church, the whole church. No matter where you go to church, he hates Israel and he hates the church. We didn't share the scripture last week, but I wanted to share it tonight in Revelation chapter 13. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Now let me just identify the characters here as we read this in Revelation because Revelation has a lot of uh, representation. But let me just share with you that when it speaks about the dragon, it's talking about the devil. When it talks about the woman, it's talking about Israel. And when it's talking about the child, it's talking about Christ. Okay? And of course, Christ is the head of the church. So now let me read it with that understanding. The dragon is a devil, the woman is Israel, and the child is Christ. Revelation 12, starting at verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman, Israel, who had given birth to the male child, which is Christ. The woman, Israel, was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time 
times and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth, the serpent, that's the devil, spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged. Let me read that again. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. You see, the devil hates Israel, and the devil hates Christ, and the devil hates the church because the church is the one that is holding fast to the testimony about Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, and especially if you go to church, the enemy hates you, and he's going to do all that he can to try to turn you away from remaining loyal, not only to Christ, but to his church. He will try to convince you that going to church is a waste of time. Why go to church? Church is irrelevant for today. Church is outdated. Church is a waste of time. Christianity is not real. It is fake. The people are fake. The Bible is fake. The church leaders are fake. There is no God. Why restrict yourself from experiencing or enjoying or satisfying or fulfilling your desires or passions? The devil's agenda is clear. Life of the flesh or life in the flesh. If you want something, get it. Even if you have to steal it. Even if you have to hurt someone to get it. Even if you have to take advantage of someone to get it. If you want something, get it. If you want to get loaded, get loaded. If you want to get drunk, get drunk. If you want sex, have sex. If you want an abortion, get an abortion. If you want to live together without being married, go for it. If you want to have a same-sex relationship or a same-sex marriage, go for it. If you want to get a divorce, go for it. If you want to hurt somebody, if you want to kill somebody, just do it. Don't let some preacher tell you what to do. You live in the United States of America, the land of the free. Do whatever you want. He wants to convince you that there are no consequences to sin or to disobedience. The enemy wants to tear you away from being loyal to Christ and being loyal to the church. Tear you away from believing the truth of the gospel. Convince you that there is no hell and again, that there are no consequences to our actions. How many of you understand there are serious consequences when we don't obey God? Can you say amen, church? All you have to do is visit your local jail, your local prison, your local juvenile hall, your local whatever, and your local hospital, and you're going to see the results of sin in your face. There is consequences. Don't listen to the devil's lies. And lead, this leads us to our next section of Scripture that we want to look at today. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31, it talks to us about something that was done in the flesh that had severe consequences, so severe that the consequences are felt even today. Let's read what it says here in Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 21. It says this, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai 
and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now, you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Now, what does all this mean? This is a very interesting section of Scripture, and it mentions two sons that were born to Abraham, and it mentions their mothers. Now, who can tell me what was the name of Abraham's firstborn son? Who can tell me, those of you that are here? Anybody know? Yes, Saul. Nope. The firstborn son to Ishmael. It was not Isaac. It was? I'm shocked. I can't believe it. It was, somebody said it, but they're afraid to say it. Ishmael. Was that John Garcia that said that? But you're getting the credit, Manny? Okay, very good. Manny said it out loud for John Garcia. Okay? But John Garcia was, thank you, John. I, I, I'm encouraged. I was getting discouraged. I was getting depressed. I was getting very sad. How could we not know who the first son of Abraham was? I was so hurt by that. His name was Ishmael. Ishmael. And who can tell me who was Ishmael's mother? Don't break my heart again, please. Hagar. Very good. I don't know exactly who said it. Okay. It was Hagar. Thank you. There is hope. There is hope for Chatsworth Foursquare Church. We know who Ishmael's mother was. Her name was Hagar. Okay. Now, Ishmael had a second son. A second son. And what was his name, Saul? Isaac. Very good. She had a second son, or he had a second son. His name was Isaac. And who was Isaac's mother? Who can tell me her name? It was Sarah. Very good. So Isaac's mother was Sarah. So this section of Scripture is talking about Abraham and his two sons. One whose name was Ishmael, who was born to Hagar, and one, the other one who was Isaac, who was born to Sarah. And Galatians chapter 4, verses 22 and 23 tells us the conditions that were involved in the births of these two boys that belong to Abraham. Let me read to you what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. It says this, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. But his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. Now, for those of you that know your Bibles, and now I'm getting concerned about who actually does know their Bibles here, okay? 
You talk about suffering, the consequences for our disobedience or for our lack of faith or for our lack of trusting God. The world, even up to today, has suffered severe consequences because of Abraham's lack of faith and trust in God. Listen, there are certain decisions or certain mistakes that we make and by the pure grace and mercy of God, we kind of get away with it. God gives us some grace and some mercy. But there are other mistakes or acts of disobedience that we do in life. And man, they have severe and long-lasting consequences. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying here? Okay? And do those mistakes hurt? Another example that we're going to get into Abraham's mistake in just a little bit. But one example is Adam and Eve. How many of you know and how many of you would agree that when they blew it, their mistake has affected mankind even until this day? Would you agree with that? Can you say amen? Their mistake, their sin had long-term consequences. God told them not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They went ahead and ate from it. And now we all have to suffer the consequences of that. Another one, Moses, when he was told by God, don't hit the rock, speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He hit the rock two times. Again, this is for those of you that know your Bibles. If you don't know your Bible, you have no clue what I'm talking about. Moses and the rock and hitting the rock. What is Pastor Jerry talking about? Study it. Look at your Bibles and look it up. But that had long-term consequences. Why? Because it prevented Moses from entering the promised land. What about the 12 spies that went in, that were sent in by Moses to scope the promised land? And the Bible says that 10 of them came back with a negative report and two of them came back with a positive report. And the Bible tells us that as a result of those 10 spies that came back with a negative report, Israel, the nation of Israel, over a million people had to spend 40 years in the desert 40 years in the desert, and a whole generation of people died in the desert. Why? Because of the disobedience and rebellion of 10 people, long-term consequences. But let's get back to Abraham. Let's get back to Abraham. Abraham was told by God that one day he would have a son. And we find this promise by God found in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Let me read that to you. It says this. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. You see, God made a promise to Abraham. Abraham was old. And God said, 
God, you know, you've blessed me. Abraham said, God, you've blessed me. You've done so much good for me, but I don't have any kids. What, what's up with that? I, I, you got to bless me with a kid. And God says, I'm going to bless you with a son. I'm going I'm to bless you with so many descendants that if you could count the stars in the sky, that's how many descendants you would have. But then sadly, Abraham got restless and he took matters into his own hands. I'm going to say that again. He took matters into his own hands. I'm going to say it one more time. He took matters into his own hands. Let me warn you, and this is a warning to me. Pastor Jerry, don't take matters into your own hands. Trust in the Lord. Put your trust in. In God. Didn't we sing about that song just a little bit, just a little while ago? We were singing, oh, we're going to put, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. But then when, when panic comes and distress and all kinds of things happen, I will trust in you. All that goes down the tubes. That's what was happening to Abraham. He started to panic. He took matters into his own hands. He tried to make things happen himself. He got impatient. He forced the issue. God told him, Abraham, I'm going to be a shield for you. Abraham, I'm going, to, you're going to, I'm going to be your very great reward. Why can't we just take God at his word? When he says to us, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Why can't we just believe God? When he says to us, I will provide for all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Even when you don't have a job. Even in the middle of the coronavirus. Even when you get sick in your body. Even when things seem to be falling apart. I will take care of you. Why can't we just believe God? Instead of panicking and then looking at the world that we live in according to our own carnal uh, human ways and, and, and lose track of who God is, forget that we're Christians, forget about the Bible, and then we go into survival mode and try to make things work and force things to work our way instead of trusting God to do things His way. And this is what was going on with Abraham. He was getting older and older and older and he was getting it on with Sarah and getting it on with Sarah and getting it on with Sarah and she wouldn't get pregnant she just wouldn't get pregnant and he got desperate and crazy because God said I'm going to give you a son and so he went and he got it on again with Sarah and no son I mean it was fun but no baby. Now again, many of you, if you know your Bibles, you're familiar with the story. Let's read how Abraham blew it and chose not to trust God. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, it says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, so she said to Abram, she, Sarai, his wife, said to Abram, Julie, how come you've never said that to me? What's up with you? We have Jamie. That's why, Pastor Jerry, we have Jamie. You don't need to do that. Okay, so here we go. I'm, I'm joking around too much. I'm joking around too much. So she said to Abram, so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go. Sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed. 
For sure, girl. Yeah, that's what you want me to do, for sure. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Now, guys, what should Abram have said? He should have said, no, girl, you know what? God said he's going to give us a, a child, a son. Let's be cool. Let's be patient. Let's wait on the Lord. I know we're both getting, old, getting older. I know sometimes in bed I get a little boring, but you know what? We can still get it on. And let's trust God. That's what he should have said. But no, he said, for sure, girl. You want me to go into Hagar? You got it. Okay? So it says here, Abram agreed with what Sarah said. Verse 3. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar. And she conceived. She got pregnant. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. She began to mad dog Sarah. Hagar was mad dogging Sarah. Verse 5. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. She's disrespecting me. She's mocking me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, right there, that shows you guys, there's some serious consequences to sin right off the top. Okay? Verse 6. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. So she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. What is the name of that, Julie? You are the God who sees me? El Rahi? El Rahi. Very good. Uh, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bear Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Now, we don't have time right now, but Ishmael had 12 sons that became 12 tribes. You can read that in Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 through 21. I would take time to read it right now, but I'm running out of time. Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 through 21. Ishmael had 12 sons, and they became 
12 tribes. And in Genesis chapter 25, verses 12 through 16, it names the 12 sons of Ishmael. Listen, church, when God says he's going to do something, guess what? He's going to do it. That's why we got to trust him. Can you say amen? He told Ishmael, he told Hagar, I'm going to bless your boy. He's going to be the father of 12 kings. And guess what? That's exactly what he had. He had 12 kids, 12 kings, 12 tribes. Those 12 tribes, unfortunately, became the Arab world. Ishmael is known today as the father of the Arab world. Can we show that first picture, please? I want to see if the caption is on that first picture. Okay? Here's a picture of what we believe Ishmael looked like, even though nobody really knows what he looked like. Okay? This is Ishmael. On the bottom of this caption, you don't see it, but Ishmael, it says there, is the father of the Arab world today. Those 12 children became 12 tribes, and those 12 tribes have today become 22 nations. Let's show this video, please, that I have. It's a, it's a few minutes long. Just be patient while we look at this, because we need to get this information about Ishmael. Okay, go for it. This is talking about how these 12 tribes became, for today, the 22 nations of the Arab world today. There's no volume, unfortunately. So we will cut it right there. Just show me the next picture, please. Show me the next picture because of time. Okay? Show me the next picture because of time. In this next picture, you're going to see the 22 nations that make up the Arab world today. And in the middle of all of that, you'll see poor little Israel right there, right next to Jordan, surrounded by all the 22 Arab nations that were fathered by Ishmael. And here's the key for tonight, and we're going to end after this. In Genesis chapter 16, verses 11 and 12, it says this. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility. He will live in hostility. Let me repeat it one more time. He will live in hostility toward his Brothers, the consequences of Abraham's bad decision to hook up with Hagar instead of waiting on God and staying faithful to Sarah and waiting on the Lord to bless them later on with Isaac. The, the result of that was giving birth to Ishmael. Ishmael gave birth to 12, 12 children. Those 12 children became 12 tribes. Those 12 tribes today have become 22 nations that are surrounding Israel. And unfortunately and sadly, we see it even up to today that they have become the fierce enemies of Israel. But you know what is so awesome, church? In the same way 
that God is able to protect and to provide and to bless and to honor and to be with Israel, surrounded by all those nations. God is able to protect you when you go to work, when you're driving in your car, and the enemy is surrounding you with all his demons and all his cohorts and all his hostility and all these people that want to attack you, all these spiritual forces that want to destroy you, the enemy who hates you and wants to take you up. It doesn't matter because you belong to the Lord. You are his property. And he's saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to believe in me. I want you to know that I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. Even though you're living in the world, a world that is hostile to the things of God, a world that is hostile to the Word of God, a world that is hostile to the church of God and the body of Christ, it doesn't matter. I am with you, and I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to be with you to the very end. All you got to do is trust me. Don't blow it by trying to do things on your own and by taking matters into your own hands. Why? Because there are severe consequences when you and I don't trust the Lord. You and I, we got to trust God for our marriages. We got to trust God for for our kids. We got to trust God when we get sick and for our bodies and for our health. We got to trust God for our finances. We got to trust God for our clothing and for our shelter and for our food and for our water and for everything that we get. You trust the Lord. Don't freak out when you lose your job. Don't freak out when you get sick. Don't get all panicky and insecure when things don't go your way, when people mad dog you or hurt you or when things look bad. You put your trust in the Lord. You put your hope in him. You stick to the promises that are found in this book and you will see the blessing and the victory of God in your life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Abraham and the world today is suffering severe consequences because of this son named Ishmael that was born to him in the flesh. It was in the flesh. It was not of God. It was not of the Spirit. It was not in your will. It was in the flesh. He did it out of rebellion. He did it out of disobedience. He did it out of a lack of faith and out of a lack of trust. He didn't follow your instructions. And as a result, Lord God, we are dealing with the consequences of that fleshly act even to this day. It was wicked. It was wrong for him to be with another woman that was not his wife. He should have said no. He should have stood his ground. He should have stayed faithful to his marriage and to his wife. But instead he blew it and he messed up. And now, Lord God, the world that we live in is in danger every single day of nuclear war, of World War III, because these Arab nations hate Israel and they want to bomb Israel. And now Iran is partnering with China. And Lord God, this world at any moment could explode. And it's all because, and it's all rooted, not only with Adam and Eve, but Ishmael and Abraham and Hagar. Ishmael, who is a son of the flesh and not of the spirit. If you're here tonight and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian I have never surrendered my life to Jesus, and I want to do that tonight. If that's you here tonight, I want you to say this prayer. You're ready to surrender your life to the Lord. You're ready to give your life to God. You're ready to say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to trust you. Just say these words. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you, and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I acknowledge that I have blown it. I have made mistakes. 
And I ask you again, forgive me. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. So when I die, or if you come, Jesus, I will go to heaven. I believe your promise that I am forgiven, that I am your child, and now I'm on my way to heaven and not hell. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give glory to God, church. Let's give glory to the Lord. God bless you, church. Thank you for being patient. I know that I went over, but it was really important that I complete this thought of Ishmael being a son of Abraham's flesh and not of the spirit. Ishmael being a son of Abraham's disobedience and not a son of promise, God's promise to him. Have a great, great night. And of course, the altar is open. The altar is open. If you're struggling, if you're hurting, don't panic. Don't get crazy. Don't start doing things your own way. Trust the Lord. Do things God's way. His way works. Don't let the devil lie to you. In Jesus' name.